This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Welcome to Plated Earth, where we share at least a fraction of the crazy, wonderful, and insightful stories of produce. I'm your host, JJ. Plated Earth is also the official podcast of the Specialty Produce app. Please show your support for us and Specialty Produce by downloading the app and exploring one of the globe's most comprehensive fresh food databases. Now grab a snack and get ready for food fables. With each day of spring at the original farmer's market in Los Angeles came new pops of color on the produce stands, jumping out from the cool, comforting earth tones of winter. The first color each year to signal the coming of spring was the vibrant red-pink of rhubarb stalks, invigorating the winter market, waking it from its slumber. Seasoned market-goers would celebrate at the speckled pink site, knowing that it meant more than the coming of spring. It meant Dimitri would be baking up his strawberry rhubarb pies. Like rising to the smell of breakfast, market-goers stirred at the smell of the sweetness in the air, awakening their senses, and leading their hurried, excited steps to the community tables. A stack of plates and forks was already waiting in the center of the table as Dimitri approached carrying two freshly baked strawberry rhubarb pies. He sliced and handed out slivers of pie as he spoke. I always say our food has a voice with stories to tell, of its history, its traditions. Stories that grow and spread, just like the fruits and veggies themselves. For some, you have to listen carefully, dig deep into the roots. But rhubarb, you can hear it. Through a growing process called forcing, rhubarb plants are moved into pitch-black sheds or hothouses, so the plant will think it is underground. The room is then heated to trick the rhubarb into thinking that it is time to grow. Striving to reach the sunlight, the rhubarb stalks grow at a fantastic rate so fast that you can actually hear it growing, yelling out with pops and cracks as they stretch up toward the roof in the dark. A voice all its own. But too bad it isn't speaking our language, Dimitri winked. Perhaps if it could speak, it would be Latin. The plant is old-fashioned, and its name essentially unchanged over its long history. Most experts conclude that rhubarb came from the Greek rabarbaron, a combination of two words meaning not from around these parts, which was quite fitting for a plant that originally came from China. The word raw came from an ancient Persian language and was the name given to the Volga River, a giant Russian river whose cool, damp banks became a naturalized home for wild rhubarb. Barbaron is the same word that gave us barbarian, an imitation of foreign language that, to a non-Greek, would have sounded like Babel, and which originally just referred to anything foreign. Ra by itself was first adopted to mean rhubarb, but seeing as the plant came from further east beyond the river in unknown barbarian lands, it became known as Ra Barbaron, Ra for the river, and Barbaron because it was imported from so-called barbarians. That name eventually became the single term Ra Barbarum, the medieval Latin word from which came the modern rhubarb. Strange that the name rhubarb would come from the Russian River when the plant originated in China. But perhaps saying it was from the Volga was just an ancient Greek idiom for saying that it came from the East. No matter, it soon gave way to the word we still use today. 
Rhubarb. Such a funny word, really. Rhubarb, Dimitri winked. Many of the kids in the crowd pursed their lips and mimicked the word. Since the late 1800s, theater background actors in the UK would mumble the word rhubarb to one another in crowd scenes, where their lips just needed to be moving. Again, the kids turned to one another and mumbled repeatedly, rhubarb, 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 between giggles. And for any baseball fans, you may have heard the word tossed out during commentary, used as a slang term for a heated verbal argument, especially between players and umpires. It's a food and it's a fight. Dimitri winked. The slang term was popularized by Red Barber, the famous baseball broadcaster and voice of the Cincinnati Reds, the New York Yankees, and the Brooklyn Dodgers from the 1930s through the 1960s. Barber was known for his colorful play-by-play and unique catchphrases, and he first used the word rhubarb in a 1943 radio broadcast to describe a heated dispute on the field. But rhubarb is thought to have roots deeper than barber when it comes to baseball, and may have sprouted from sports writer Gary Schumacher in 1938. Schumacher claimed to have liked the term because it implied a wild tangle of loose ends, just like the fibers of stewed rhubarb, and that, growing up in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, mothers would give their children rhubarb sandwiches, which quickly became effective missiles for neighborhood food fights. The kids looked around the crowd with mischievous eyes, some wiggling their fingers over the last segments of their pie slices, threatening to grab their weapons. A quick but silent hand on the shoulder from mom or dad disarmed the temptation as Dimitri laughed. Now there, no need to have a rhubarb rhubarb, he winked. Again, the kids giggled and began their background mumbling, repeating the word. Around the same time that the word earned its place in sports jargon, it also made its way into the speech of World War II fighter pilots. Dimitri picked up his fork with a nice, juicy bite of the strawberry rhubarb pie on the end and began flying it in small figure eights over the table. Perhaps the pilots were from Brooklyn and adopted the term from Barber and his baseball broadcast. But no matter. An issue of Time magazine, dated March of 1943, stated that when a fighter pilot flies low over France, attacking whatever he finds, trains, troops, air drones, he is on a rhubarb. Dimitri swooped his fork low across the table, complete with fighter jet sound effects, before scooping it back up and landing the bite on his tongue with a wink. Rhubarb certainly has its roots throughout history, even going as far back as a creation myth from ancient Persia, modern-day Iran. It comes from a pre-Islamic religion, founded by an Iranian prophet in the 6th century BCE, called Zoroastrianism, one of the world's oldest monotheistic religions. According to its tradition, mankind was actually born from none other than the rhubarb plant. Dimitri took one more big, satisfying bite of his pie. Then, as usual, with a wipe of his napkin across his lips, like a curtain unveiling the opening act, Dimitri began his story. Dimitri spoke. At the beginning of time, there was nothing in the world besides one God, the wise Lord, who lived in endless light and an evil spirit who lived in absolute darkness. Between these two realms, light and dark, there was only emptiness, until one day, the wise lord decided to make other creations and build a world. The first part of the world to be created was the sky, a round, empty shell made of rock crystals and metals, shining and bright. Second was water, pure and clear, 
and third came the earth, which was completely flat with no mountains or valleys. Fourth came the plants, all of which were smooth and moist, with no thorns or bark. And fifth came animals, big and small. Sixth in line was the first man, smart and handsome. His name was Geomard. Last but not least, the wise lord created fire to serve the man in cooking and keeping warm. In time, the evil spirit peeked out of his world of darkness to see what the wise lord was up to. The wise lord called upon the evil spirit and said, Help my creatures and give them praise, and you will be immortal. The evil spirit snarled. Why should I help your creations? Why should I praise them? I am more powerful than you and them combined. I swear I will destroy everything that you created. You'll see. This means war. The evil spirit crawled back to his dark world to shape demons, witches, and monsters to help him attack the wise lord and his endless light. To help protect his beautiful world from evil, the wise lord created six spirits in his own essence, known as the holy immortals. One was righteous power, protector of the sky. Two was peace and perfection, guardian of the water. Three was holy devotion, guardian of earth. Four was immortality, protector of plants. Five, the good mind, protector of animals. Six, the justice, guardian of fire. And finally, the Holy Spirit of the wise Lord himself, guardian of mankind. The evil spirit began his attack. First, he struck water, making it bitter. Next, he tried to destroy the earth, but only managed to create mountains and valleys across its surface like scars. The demons tried to kill the plants, but could only give them thorns. Finally, they attacked Geomard, bringing him sickness and eventually death. The evil spirit laughed and celebrated, thinking he had finally defeated the wise lord, killing the first man. But from Geomard's bones grew a rhubarb plant. And in time, something strange started to grow from the stalks, a man and a woman. They promised the wise lord that their children would help him in his battle against darkness and evil. And in time, they gave birth to 15 sets of twins, each pair scattered around the world, the beginning of many races of mankind, born from the rhubarb plant, and empowered by good thoughts, good deeds, and good words to take on the evil that lurks in the dark. The end. Well, folks, that concludes this week's episode. Tune in next time for the latest food buzz. And remember, cauliflower is nothing but a cabbage with a college education. We'll catch you next time. 